Welcome to Thrive, a Paychex business podcast where you'll hear timely insights to help you navigate marketplace dynamics and propel your business forward. Here's your host, Gene Marks. Hey, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of Thrive. Thank you very much for joining me. I've got Ernest Baskin here. Ernest, first of all, uh, thank you for joining me. Thank you. Glad that you are here. Um, I'm, I'm happy to say that you are located in Philadelphia, just like myself. You are an associate professor of food marketing at St. Joe's University, correct? Yes, that's correct, yeah. Very good, and go Hawks. Um, so, Ernest, you know, we're having this conversation about the great resignation and about retaining employees and workforce stability, and here you are, an associate professor of food marketing. So should I be angry with our producers? Did they make a mistake here, or do we have the right guy? No, I think we do have the right guy. So Good. let me tell you about, I've done a lot of research in this area. And uh, part of this research was done with the uh, Food Institute uh, in association with St. Joseph's University. And we've done a lot of research because the food industry is going through the exact same thing a lot of these other industries are going through. They're experiencing the great resignation. They're experiencing issues with workforce retention. And they're experiencing issues with workforce hiring. And so what I've and so what I've done is I've looked into through a variety of interviews with both folks on the ground and HR managers. I've done a lot of research into thinking about how do we stop this? How do we make it easier to hire for ourselves? Once we do hire folks in, how do we keep them for a long haul? Because, Gene, I'm sure I don't have to tell you this or our listeners, hiring is a super expensive proposition. Whenever, yeah. you have, whenever you hire somebody on, it's expensive to first search for the right person. It's expensive to then uh, train them up so they can be productive. And so the fewer times you can do that, the better. Uh, and so that's what's become really important and a through line when I've talked to uh, many of the HR managers in the food industry. Um, when we talk about the food industry, I just want to make sure I define that as best as possible. Are we talking about restaurants or are we talking about distribution businesses or food manufacturers or ag businesses? Who do you define? So we're talking food industry at large. So I'm talking manufacturers, CPG, uh, restaurants. We're talking retailers. Everybody is facing the same problem. Uh, everybody and they're facing it at all levels. So they're not facing right. it. They're not just facing it with frontline workers they're also facing it with back office corporate staff. The solutions are gonna be slightly different for both of those field, for both of those groups, but they're facing it with across the board. So, um, listen, you, you just said it earlier. I mean, there's no need to state the obvious. There's 11 million unfilled jobs. Everybody knows that we have a big labor uh, shortage in this country. Um, so we're not, we're not sharing any news here, but every single one of my clients, every single person I go and I speak to, around the country, you know, associations across all different industries, Ernest, they're like, so what do we do? You know, how do we find people? How do we make sure that the people that we, you know, that we love in our company aren't leaving us? Because like you said, it's extremely costly. So, you know, back to you, throw out some ideas. Tell us what yeah. we should do. So, so I've talked with a lot of uh, frontline workers to see what they were looking for. And what I found was actually kind of surprising. So first of all, obviously pay is kind of first and foremost. So pay is table stakes. So you have to right. be paying competitive wages. And what we've seen is a lot of companies are upping their wages kind of up and up and up, which is not, I think, really sustainable. But at the same time, money is not the end all be all. And I have to quote one of the uh, employees that I talked to that said, 
you know what, I could hop to a competitor that's paying a higher wage, but I'm not going to because it's something about the employer that I'm working for. And what is that something? I think that something is the culture. So one of the things that makes employee employers stand out for employees is that they feel like they're a family when they work for that employer. They feel like they're a part of something. They feel like there's a mission that they like. They feel like that employer stands for something. And if they can differentiate that employer from everybody else who they could potentially work for, that can be the difference between having an employee that stays versus an employee that you can't hire or you might hire because of a signing bonus and then goes and job hops to another employee uh, employer down the line. Yeah, culture makes a big difference. You know, it, it's funny, it's, you know, I so I was at a client last week um, near Trenton, New Jersey, and um, they're a manufacturer. They have an HR manager. She hates her job. She complains to me all the time. She uh, has been working there for like 10 years. Um, she knows she could be going elsewhere. And I swear to God, Ernest, like I've been hearing her complain now for like two years and she's still at the job. And you know, another thing I think that, that also contributes to this is just, you know, th there's a bit of laziness that's involved, you know, I mean, it, like an employee to change their jobs is a pain in the neck to do. And then to learn a whole new job and to learn a whole new employer, it's kind of stressful and it's, you know, it's tough. You know what I mean? So I think that also, you know, I don't know what your thoughts are on that, but that, that also factors into employees sticking around too, doesn't it? So, so there, there is a little bit of inertia, I think, with employees. But what we're finding actually is that that inertia has been going down. I think there's a new mm -hmm. breed of employees that is actually looking at all of the new incentives, particularly for frontline employees, uh, to get hired into these entry-level positions and are just saying, you know what? It maybe I go, I collect that signing bonus. I need six months for that signing bonus. And then I go to a different job, collect the signing bonus for six months, and then I go to another job. And so yes, inertia is a part of it for your longstanding employees. But for employees that haven't been there a while, they're the mm -hmm. ones that are more likely to move. And they're the ones that you want to really make sure you integrate within your company. Because if you don't take enough time to inculcate them into your culture and to get them to understand what your mission is about, by the end of the six months, they might say, well, you're just like any other company. I might as well go somewhere else if it means that I can get a new signing bonus and potentially get paid more. Got it. How about demographics, Ernest? Like, you know, do you find older employees tend to be more loyal than younger employees should should that have an impact on who an employer is hiring? So I'm not certain that I will say, should that have an impact on who an employer is hiring? I wouldn't say so that I would they go don't that get, far. So they don't get sued for discrimination. <laughs> <laughs> but <laughs> but there is a difference. So if you look back yeah. across the generations, if you look back at older generations, they were really raised with the expectations of, I work my way up through a company and I'm loyal to my to my company and they will be loyal back to me. The current generation has not been raised like that. And they've also seen several recessions where their parents and others around them have gotten laid off. So their mindset is, look, if the company is not going to care about me, then I'm not going to care about the company. And so they're much, much more willing to job hop. And so because they're thinking about job hopping as something that they can do, uh, we need we need to think about that as employers. So one of the things that 
employers have done kind of over the years, and this is, I think, a part of an employee employer creation in some fashion, is employers have basically said, how does an employee get a raise? Well, an employee gets a raise if they go and get an outside offer from another company, or if I go and hire someone else from my, from outside, then I will bring them up to market salary when I hire them in. The problem is what we've been neglecting to our detriment is we've been actually neglecting our loyal employees that have been in our company. And what are they seeing? They're seeing, look, I can go outside, get hired in at market rate, whereas if I'm just working my way through the company, I'm not necessarily getting market rate. And so I just need to do then what's best for me. And I think we really need to pay attention to that. We need to make sure that when we're hiring and when we're promoting, we set our incentives in the way that we want to make our employees. If we want to make our current employees happier and retain them, we need to set up our incentives so that our current employees see what their career path is, our current employees know what the trajectory is, and our current employees are being promoted at a level consistent with anybody that we're bringing in from the outside. That's great. So you, um, I mean, listen, you, you're, you're an associate professor, you're in the academic world, so you're not, you know, you're not running a business. But if you were, if, you know, say you, you had a little company with 10, 20, or 50 employees, you know, for example, what would you be doing? You know, like, what kind of a culture would you have? And based on all the, you know, companies that you've seen and studied, um, you know, what, what would you do in your company? So I think the way that I would start my company is I would start it from the bottom up and I would look at my hiring practices. So especially right now when you're a lot of companies are hurting for workers in the food industry mm -hmm. and outside of the food industry, right? So it seems very easy for a lot of jobs to say, look, here is a warm body. They want to work here. I will fill the job spot with a warm body. I would start there and say that is not the right strategy you want to do because it right. takes years and years to build a culture but you can break it down very quickly over the course of a couple of months by just hiring whoever you want. So even when it's hard to find people, you need to be sure you're screening correctly. You need to be screening for folks that like to work together, that like the business you're in, that will do the work with a passion. And then after they're hired in, you need to treat them as members of your family. So when your business does well, they share in the fact that the business does well, there are events that are put on by your company that helps them bring together the employees of the current generation. So Gen Z really value connections in their workplace. And that's even much more than workers of previous generations. So workers of previous generations were perfectly happy saying, look, I work my nine to five, whatever. And then I go home. Uh, workers of Gen Z want to be friends with the people that they're working with. And so as managers, our job is to help facilitate those friendships, because as soon as you start having friends with the with people in your workplace, it starts becoming hard to leave and you start enjoying coming into work every day. And so you'll get to keep those employees longer. You know, as an employer, there's the temptation to separate yourself from your employees. Uh, you don't want to become too friendly with them. How, how do you balance that? How do you balance having a good, open friendly relationship, like you said, a member of the family, but also keeping in mind that you're the employer and, you know, that person is the employee. What, you know, what do you say? Yeah. So that's an excellent question, Gene. I think that there's definitely needs to be a balance because as an employer, you have a lot of control over the employee. But the second time, there are many, many things that you can do that such as showing up to events. So particularly, mm -hmm. uh, 
that you can put on events, show up, greet employees, keep your door open, kind of be the face of your company. Because there are many uh, employers that I met that are perfectly happy kind of sitting behind a desk in their office with the door closed. And that's problematic because if you're that kind of manager, then employees don't really see you in the trenches with them. They don't really have a sense that of what you're doing. And oftentimes that can build a distance in fact, if the employees are working really hard and they have a perception that you're not, that can build resentment. And I'm not saying managers do nothing. I think managers do a lot. It's a very hard job. Small business owners, I know you all do a lot. It's a very hard job. But sometimes employees on during their day-to-day job, they don't realize all the different things you do. So part of it is just hanging out with them, showing your face. And another part of it I would recommend is communicate all that you're doing for the company it's not necessarily all your burden to bear because as you're going out there, as you're building the business, as you're building clients, if you tell your employees everything that you're doing and what that what that translates into for them, then the workers will also feel like, hey, I'm not just a cog in the wheel. I have a stake in helping the company succeed. And so just that will help bridge the connection and then that will help them kind of go row in the same direction as you if you will i like it i like it all right i'm going to give you a chance to tell your story in a minute but i'll tell you my story um the story is i want you to think about this is you know you've talked to you've studied a lot of different people in the industry and i'm curious to see if anybody stands out to you that really did something kind of cool or unique or runs a you know or did something you know you know just again unique that you might want to share that would that would help within a culture. My story is um, I have another client and they are you know they're in Philadelphia actually about 50 employees and uh, the owner um, was having uh, construction work done in his office. So for an entire month, um, the owner had to find another place to sit and really just by whatever he he there was an empty cubicle in the middle of his customer service area and he just basically pitched a tent there. That's where he was going to be for a month. And he said, this was about five years ago, um, he said not only was that like the best month that he's had in the business and the most helpful, but since then, he does he he does the same thing. He keeps a cubicle open, and like every few months, he goes there and says, I'm going to move in here for the next week or two, just to be there to work out of there. You know, if he's got like a private conversations to have or something confidential, they take that into a conference room. But much of the other stuff that he's doing, he likes to be around all the customer service people. And he said to me, I can't tell you how many times I've heard like a customer service person talking with a customer and saying something or doing something where I'd be like, hey, you might want to offer them this or, you know, think about, you know, if they want to talk to me, I'm right here, you know, that kind of thing. And they loved it. The employees around them, you would think they'd be like, oh my God, the boss is looking over my shoulder. But it was the, it was the opposite. They loved having him around and it, it really created a, a bonding culture. So I thought that was a really cool thing, you know, and I've written about it before as well, because it was pretty impactful. And like you said earlier, a lot of business owners, you know, we just like to shut the door and, you know, please don't bother me. I got, you know, you know, I'm doing my thing and it can be really hurtful. So that's, that's my story of a client of mine that did something kind of cool. Did you come across anybody that you might want to share that did something cool as well? Yeah. So this actually reminds me of what a lot of workers actually requested. Uh, so mm-hmm. they requested specifically this type of feedback system, because what often happens, especially, especially as you grow your small business, is you wind up having more layers between 
the front facing folks and the back office. And so what a lot of workers requested is the ability to tell their bosses exactly what is going on. Because sure. often those front facing workers are the very first ones that spot problems. And if they have a way to tell you, you can nip those problems in the bud when they cost 10 bucks. Whereas if it festers and festers and festers, those problems can be exponentially harder to correct. So the folks that are really doing a good job are including feedback mechanisms for frontline employees so that those feedbacks reach uh, the back office, they reach the CEO level, and the CEO can make decisions that allow, uh, that, allow those, that feedback to be addressed. Because oftentimes, folks in the back office, they never really see what's happening in the front line, and that's to the detriment of uh, those employees and, and, and the customer. The other thing that I've noticed the really, really good uh, managers do is the really, really good managers know what their uh, subordinates are doing. So they don't really set the culture so much as they model the culture. So they model the culture with their subordinate managers and they make sure that their subordinate managers are also modeling the culture for their lower level employees. So it again, so just taking a food industry example, uh, it, in the food industry, it's very easy if you're a store manager to not necessarily talk to corporate because corporate may be in another state, right? Uh, however, if you want to be a good store manager, you want to make sure that folks understand what the mission is of corporate all the policies of corporate are filtered down and you're modeling the behavior that corporate is expecting rather than creating your own little fiefdom in your store, right? And so the really, really good managers I've seen have modeled culture, have modeled behavior and have really talked to all the folks that uh, are their reports to make sure that the culture is flowing through the organization because each step the culture has to flow down is another step where it can potentially break down. Uh, but, but I agree. Yeah, but I agree. Your example of feedback super important just by sitting there, but also just employees want to talk to you. So even giving them a way to give feedback that can also work as well. Highly recommend to uh, anyone that hasn't done it. It can be very, very eye opening. Yeah, I agree. Uh, he he said it was. It was a really you know uh, eye opening experience for him. Um, all right, just a few you know last minutes that we have. Um, Finding people, you know, I don't know what you're seeing in the food distribution mm -hmm. industry. Um, I wanted your thoughts. Again, let me share with you um, two thoughts on mine. Number one is that uh, many studies have shown that, like the best place to find people are your existing employees. So, you know, you, you ask them for references. True, true. Um, I spoke to a guy, uh, I don't know, a couple months ago that's in the, like the windows and doors business. And um, he says he doesn't have a problem finding workers because um, he always – keeps his eyes open when he's out and about, like when he goes to restaurants, when he goes to retail stores, you know, he says that, you know, I oftentimes will run a, you know, run a, 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 you know, against people that are like, you know, young people that are, you know, entry level people, but they've got like enthusiasm and energy and intelligence, you know, they're a great, you know, server at their table or a great customer service person at a retail store. And he told me like, I hire those people because it's like, you know, you don't have to be a genius to sell windows and doors. I can teach you what you need to know to sell windows and doors, but I can't teach you a great attitude and enthusiasm, you know, and intelligence. And that's like what he does. Like to him, like the experience isn't that you know, thing. So, you know, again, asking your own employees and just doing your own bit of canvassing as you're out and about is is a good place. I'm curious if you, you know, if, if you've got any thoughts on 
where do we find people um, in, when there's such a short supply of them? So your uh, your ideas are spot on. I would highly recommend those. But in addition, uh, what yeah. I would also recommend is go to where the employees are. And a lot of your employees right now are on social media. And what yeah. social media specifically? It's not Facebook. Uh, particularly Gen yeah. Z is really kind of all over Facebook at this point. Right. Well, a lot of uh, food industry folks have found success with recruiting via TikTok, actually. Uh, yeah. So that's the uh, new social media that. platform that uh, students are on. But regardless, think about expanding the way you reach out to folks, whether it's in entry level jobs or back office jobs. So TikTok don't expect them to be going to your company website because that's definitely not going to happen. Uh, LinkedIn, targeted ads, those are all really, really helpful. And I think that if you do that, you're going to find people where they are and get more people to come to you. The other thing that I would recommend is reach out to your local universities because a lot of folks are looking for jobs around where their local university is. But unfortunately, they're not aware of all the companies that are around them. And in addition, a lot of students, they don't really go beyond the job portal that's on their university website. So the first place they start is the job portal on the university website. And then after that, they may go on LinkedIn if they don't find anything there. So you will open up your pool of candidates by a large amount. If you go on your university website and say, hey, look, I have a job. It requires X, Y, and Z. Connect me to career services. Let me put that job on here. Your pool will increase exponentially. That's great advice. You know, and, and you know, it's funny as you're, you mentioned university. So I did a piece for the uh, the Philly Enquirer. I write every week there, and I did a piece there a couple months ago on just this topic about where people are finding people. And uh, one guy, he's like an HR director at Temple University. Um, he says he reaches out to uh, faith-based organizations as well in the area. Uh, churches, mosques, synagogues, you know, because they know their communities and uh, he keeps an ongoing discussion with them. Like if there's anybody in your community that might be looking or whatever, uh, you know, send them to us. So it's just another thought. All right. So we're, we're, we're getting near the end of this. Is Ernest, is there anything that I missed here? Is there any other thoughts that you wanted to share about hiring, about keeping people um, in 2022? This issue is not going to go away. It was an issue before covid um, it's been exacerbated because of COVID, but it's not going to go away. So what, 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 any final thoughts that you might have for the employers that are listening or watching this to help them retain and, and find people? Yeah, I guess the way I would sum up this conversation is this. Think about employment as a family. Think about a job as a culture. Think about a career as a journey and convey that journey to your employees and also your prospective hirees. And that's how you will ensure that you'll get people that are willing to stay for the long term and that are going to be willing to contribute to the health of your business. Fantastic. Ernest Basket is an associate professor of food marketing at St. Joe's University. Ernest, thank you so much for sharing your thoughts and your insights. Thank you, Jean. Yep. Pleased to have you here. We'll see you at Larry Steaks, okay? Sounds good. All right, everybody. Take care. We'll see you on the next episode of Thrive. Do you have a topic or a guest that you would like to hear on Thrive? please let us know. Visit payx.me forward slash thrive topics and send us your ideas or matters of interest. Also, if your business is looking to simplify your HR, payroll, benefits, or insurance services, see how Paychex can help. Visit the resource hub at paychex.com forward slash works. That's W-O-R-X. 
Paychex can help manage those complexities while you focus on all the ways you want your business to thrive. I'm your host, Gene Marks, and thanks for joining us. Till next time, take care. This podcast is property of Paychex Incorporated 2022, all rights reserved.